Hey everybody, Jim Sammons here from the Kayak Fishing Show. Uh, this week on Kayak Fishing Tales, we're going to bring you another of our Facebook Live shows. And this week, we've got my good friend, Patrick Sabeel. We're going to talk all about his history and his new lure company and some of the new stuff he's got coming out. I hope you'll enjoy this video. Stick around. here from the kayak fishing show live um we have a really cool cool show for you today of course the kayak fishing show live as always brought to you by ballast point brewing company um although i don't have one with me today i'm still fighting a cold so i'm uh today it's brought to you by water <laughs> but uh you know we love our ballast point so and we appreciate their help all the time um our guest today is uh, Patrick Sabeel, uh, and of course, we we want your guys' participation. So please, where he's uh, generously offered to give a couple of his brand new lures uh, to some participants, but we really need people participating uh, to have that happen. So with no further ado, I want to introduce you to my very good friend, Patrick Sabiel. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me here. I'm glad yeah. we could squeeze this in. I know you're a very, very busy person. <laughs> I'm not the only one, but yeah, I am, I'm quite busy, especially the, the past six or seven months. Oh, thank yeah. you so much for having me, my good friend. Yeah, I know you're, you're busy with all this, with the changes in your life. You know, you, know, you got two kids now and then you're mm -hmm. starting this new business and, and I'm super excited for you. Um, we have a couple of our, uh, regulars here, you know, we got Weiss who joins us every time. Weiss, uh, he says he fished with you, Patrick. Um, oh, he said, yeah. <laughs> if you can read that, he says he, you, he, he saw you losing a rod when you're fishing off a pier. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. 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 I remember Weiss. Yes. We are <laughs> Quite often. I was used to go in vacation. Uh, basically in Dania, you know, I was guiding a lot around the world, uh, especially in Africa. And my, my time to make a break, um, I, I was always almost always going to Florida to make a break for vacation before going back for another, you know, eight or nine months of guy of guiding in Africa. And yes, I remember why it's very well. I do. I do. <laughs> it's so funny how you, you know, you meet people all over the world. I've run into, into people just randomly in airports and it, it, it's a it's a small world anymore mm. you know and the, the internet of course making it that much smaller uh we've got edgar here hey edgar how you doing daniel as Hi, always joining us hi daniel and scotty thomas and I, I i i really appreciate everybody being here and of course uh throwing us some questions uh and of course i'm gonna be throwing questions at patrick and patrick you've probably answered these questions for me before but our guests won't know that so um First off, I mean, tell us a little bit about Patrick Seville. I mean, I know you've been fishing since you're a little kid. I mean, you're you're world famous for the number of species you've caught, the IGFA world records you've held. Um, what got your passion going for for fishing so 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 young and and driven you into the actual business of fishing? Fishing itself. I, I, I don't don't think don't don't think I'm trying to make a very simple. Uh, explanation but fishing itself um i i grew up i was a lonely kid i was the only children of my mom um 
so I don't have brother and sister, and she was always afraid if I will go outside and maybe I will have problem with other kids. So she don't want to re, she don't want me really to go outside, but she was okay when I was fishing. You know, she will drop me in the morning next to a lake, and then she will pick me up. You know, at 6 p.m. and there she have no problem. Um, and also, yeah, I was very much. I know it's hard to believe now, but I was very much an introvert, and and fishing was really a place I was feeling good. I was feeling fully myself. You know, um, at school with with other guys. You know, I was always very passionate. I was passionate about fishing. I was passionate about music also, which is my other big passion. And um, Honestly, at school, I, I have very, very few friends. I, I was not the typical kid who, who liked to, to hang with a bunch of other kids. Um, I wasn't comfortable with that. I've even uh, our time when I was probably 10, 11, because uh, I was bullied a lot by some kids. So really, fishing was the place of escape, was the place of dream, and was the place I was succeeding. Because even as a kid, I, I believe I, I, I won my first tournament. I was like 11. And I was not a kid tournament. That was a tournament. I won, there was whatever, 50 or 80 people. And most of the guys were adults, you know, 30 years old, 40 years old, whatever. And and um, so it really boosts me, you know, that I have success, that I was able to achieve things. Um, and especially, you know, a kid versus adults catching big, big fish and stuff like that. And no, Sean, I'm not from Texas. Maybe Paris, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, not to interrupt, but I mean, sure. you have got, I mean, your species list, I mean, I don't even know what it's at. It's got to be close to 800 or something now. It's 776 76 recognized species. I, I have a few more fish I've cooked, and I've not been able really to make sure what species was it, so I don't count a fish until I'm sure. When, did you, when did you start it? counting? That, that's another of those things. There was no big plan behind that. That's very simple. I was I grew up fishing in freshwater. Um, where I grew up in the Bordeaux, in the southwest uh, region area of, of France, um, there were different pits that have been dug during World War II because uh, the, the Germans were building those, all those big buildings, you know, to protect versus, you know, the, uh, the Allies bombing uh, their uh, submarines and stuff like that. So they need a lot of gravel. So many pits were dug really where, where I grew up. So just within a few miles, I have seven or eight lakes. I can go with my bike and go fishing. But, you know, when you fish in a lake, once you've caught pike, zander, bass, perch, I mean, you know, you have 10 or 12 fish. Once you've caught them, you've caught everything, you know, there's no right. surprise. And I have a neighbor who was in his 30s at the time, was used to go sometime on party boat in saltwater. And one day he proposed me and my mom, he said, hey, do you want to join me? Uh, I go fishing next Sunday uh, in the Arcachon Bay. And of course, I was excited about that. So my mom said, okay, she gave her you know, the, the cash to pay for my uh, my spot on the boat and stuff like that. That very day, in one day, I got like 14 different species. And I was, you know, whatever, I was 12 years old, something like that. So I got, that, that blew my mind that there were so many different other fish, you know, and just one day I probably caught as many or maybe even more fish than I've caught before that since, you know, since I was four or five years old, since I was fishing. And I simply decided, hey, I'm going to write every time I catch a new fish, I'm going to write the, the name, the species. And, and really, that was it. There was no goal and there's still no goal of targeting a number or whatever. I'm just curious. I, I get excited when I catch a new fish. 
it can be three inch long, it can be 300 pounds. As a species, a species one, doesn't matter the size. Now, I love catching big fish, of course, that's a different topic. But in terms of species, yeah, that excites me. And, and I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to, uh, to mold my life into the fishing business. Uh, especially as a guide, you know, I was guiding, I was writing for a number of magazines. So thanks to that, I've been able to fish in 64 countries. And of course, the more place you go, well, the more chance you have to um, to find other species you never caught before and to catch them. And that's why the number is right now at 676. I'm looking for that next one. 676 or 776? Uh, sorry, 776. I mean, I don't want to take 100 off. That's a lot. No. That's, about how, that's about how many species I have total. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, especially as I, I very rarely fish with live or dead bait now. Uh, not that I'm against, but I, I, I like it, but I love lure fishing much more. And also lure, well, it's related to my, my job. So when I go field testing lures, I obviously I don't use baits. And there's a number, especially of small fish, that you're almost only able to catch with baits. And right, uh, right. that's why now my number of fish grow very slowly, just a few every year. When I was fishing with bait, um, when I guide in my, uh, in the place, I have my biggest lodge. So I own three fishing lodges in Africa over the years. The biggest one was in Guinea-Bissau where we are catching those giant tarpons. Just, just in this, uh, region, I caught 156 different fish species just fishing there. <laughs> wow. But many of them were, you know, small fish, just, um, you know, maybe a pound, half a pound. Daniel, so Daniel, Daniel has a question there on what, what is your favorite fish to target? My, my favorite is a fish that uh, very few people, I believe, we will know about in, in, in this broadcast. That's called the gilted sea bream. That's a fish we found in France, southern England, Spain, the Mediterranean Sea, and northern um, Africa. It's part of the sheephead, uh, the, Af the uh, Atlantic sheephead family, okay. Sparides. Sparids. Um, that's I, I grew up fishing that fish with a lot of love for it. It's a very finicky fish, and I, I got to be honest, that's very exciting to me to to be able to catch a fish which is difficult to catch. Um, and for its size, that's a very good, very good fighter. But it don't grow big, sadly. You know, when right. you have an eight or ten pounder, that's that's pretty big. I got some. <laughs> well, we got a, a hello from Aaron Dodds and. Hey. Good afternoon Hello. from Andrew. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Uh, always, uh, Zach, he loves your vibratos. <laughs> that, that's a cool lure. That's a very different lure. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, you have to wait one more year. I, I will have some stuff to play in that game um, that I hope people will love as well. <laughs> <laughs> Reginald, always joining us. Thank hey. you so much. Uh, Andrew. Do you have any that stand out just over and above the majority of the others? Um, you I'm, know, I guess you speak of fish species in particular, right? Yeah, or maybe maybe one of your most memorable catches. Oh, it, it that that that's a hard question. I I face it here and there, and I've always had time to answer it. Um, the reason being very simple, I think. Before I really started to travel a lot, that was much more easier for me to say, oh, that very catch. Um, I was lucky enough that I had years, I was able to fish more than 300 days per year and in many places and many great places. So that may surprise you, but I will say without giving one very 
I mean, I have a number that are very strong <laughs> in my mind, really. Uh, but I, I still got more excitement fishing of some fish of when I was a kid. Like when I, f okay, I'm going to give you one that, that, that <laughs> has a very, very, <laughs> a very big print on me. Uh, this is my, my first very big pike. I was, I think I was 13 or 14 years old. Um, and what, what happened very simply at that time, my biggest pike was maybe only five, six pounds. Okay. And I was fishing in a place in a, a lake that's called Parentis, where there's a, a very little stream that reaches the lake and there are lily pads and stuff like that. And I was used to fish on that spot. I was able to catch some shiners and perch, uh, sometime, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm a bit passionate. Some people say that I, I don't know if it's true, but uh, I heard that a number of times. So well, maybe you're yeah. right. Well, and that's why I like <laughs> to hang out with you because it's always so entertaining, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, continue and, with your story. Yeah, so I was fishing on that spot, and um, I noticed sometimes the shiners were jumping, you know, and um, and I was thinking, hey, maybe that's a pike. And I didn't have with me a, a big rod, but that evening when I was in the camping site, there was our neighbor who was used to fish for, you know, surf fishing, and he have some bigger rods than I have, and I. I asked him if he can let me use one of his rod the next day. And he said, yeah, sure, take it. So I took that. And that next morning, I start to fish. And there was like no bite, no bite, no bite. And then I have a one-pound perch, which I put in my live well. I mean, not live well. You know, we have a net to keep them alive. And um, I wait, I wait, and I got no other bait. So I end up to decide to hook this, this perch on the hook just so at least the line can be in the water but i, I honestly <laughs> i didn't believe i did that just because I, I hated to have this big rod with the hook outside of the water i just like to have the hook in the water but i really believed that that one pound perch was way too big so i hooked that perch throw it in the water leave it there and there was there was still no bites so i took my my light spinning rod and I went walking, you know, a bit around, looking if I can catch something else on a light tackle lure. And when I come, came back, the float was not anymore on the spot where I, I threw it. But because the perch was that big, I was thinking that was the perch who swam away, you know, maybe 20, 30 yards away. So I took the rod and I start to crank that rod. And when I feel the contact, it was hard, but there were lily pads. So I was thinking the perch I've tangled the line with the lily pads so i i shake the rod you know to to get the the perch out of the lily pads and suddenly i got like a a, a <laughs> hammer hit in the rod i was boom and that thing jumped and suddenly i saw a giant pike and that pike was at the end of my line he, he, he basically <laughs> swallowed that that perch and it's really hard and i hope all of you listeners know what i'm talking about you know when the emotion was so big the experience was so incredible you cannot find words to really describe it you just no. can say it was incredible but you wish you have words that do not exist to explain what was the feeling that yeah, I, I always talk to people about that it's kind of like the people that don't fish don't understand to me it's like getting that hit on the line it's like an electrical charge goes up the line through the rod into your hands and just okay. it's just lights you up you know yeah. and, and but people who don't fish just don't get it they don't understand it but for us yeah. that are passionate about it 
Um, I mean, like say I was telling people about our trip to the Bahamas um, a couple of weeks ago. You know, we got into a bite of little mangrove snapper, uh-huh. but it was every cast on the stick shad <laughs> and it was every cat and you're just laughing and giggling and having so much fun, you know? And, and like I said, maybe somebody who doesn't fish uh, wouldn't understand that. By the way, if you didn't hear this, I got, I was in 12 feet of water throwing uh-huh. a floating stick shad and got two bonefish. And huh. Everybody else on the trip was like, no, that, that doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. You have to be fly fishing. You got to be down at the bottom and everything. And on the surface, two bonefish back to back casts. Very interesting. <laughs> Isn't wow. that crazy? It is. It is. Um, so uh, you started off fishing as a kid. You started guiding around the world. Where did the making lures come in? The making lures came when I was about eight. Uh, when I was seven, I have a Rapala musky, husky, sorry, I remember that very well. Um, and um, I had the idea just to cut a little bit uh, the bill, you know, the leap, just to see if I can have a different action. I was just a bit curious. I remember that. But it's not really designing. I was just curious. I cut the, the leap, it changed a little bit the action. That was it. Uh, got probably a pike, teeny pike or two. But when I was eight, and that, that one is one of those clear memory that stick to you and to your life, like probably forever. There was one of those pits, one of those lakes nearby my mom's house that was very clear. There were, you know, uh, springs on the bottom. The water was crystal clear. And there was one tree that was in the water. And I can see big perch. I mean, in here in North America, we have uh, the yellow perch. But the yellow perch don't grow as big as the white perch they are in Europe. It's very similar fish. Even the, the Latin name is almost the same. Very close, very similar fish. But for some reason, those in Europe are able to grow larger and also they eat on top water, which is fantastic. And I was seeing those perch into the trees, you know, into the branches. And at the time in France, there was very, very little for lure fishing. There was some rapalas. There were MEPS inline spinners, and that was basically it. Uh, so the big thing was bait fishing. So you can't cast, you know, a swimming minnow with two treble hooks. You can cast an inline spinner into the branches. You know, at the time, we knew nothing about uh, flipping jigs or spinner baits, nothing. So I was watching those those perch and I can't reach them. You know, once in a while, one will go outside of the branch and bite my lure. But most of the time, thanks to such a clear water, I was able to see the fish inside, but what can I do? And that's how I got the idea by myself to, to make a jig. So I took a, a piece of lead, you know, that I was using for a float. I, I scratched it a little bit so it was shiny. I put a, a hook and I attached that with a, a piece of, uh, I remember very well, um, um, what you call that? You know, it's um, um, leton. She, it's a piece of wire. You know, it's metallic. Um, okay, I don't. Want to, uh, anyway, a piece of wire, a piece of wire, copper, a kind of copper wire. Right. And uh, the funny piece was to to make some more movement to this lure. I I I took my mom. You know, I have gloves to to clean the the dishes and stuff like that. You know. Mappa gloves, that's Mappa's brand, and they were pink. And I, I cut a triangle into the glove. Of course, I didn't <laughs> want her to see that. And I, I tied this on the hook to, to give more movement. And um, 
with that very simple, very basic little jig, I have a five yards long rod and I, I drop very gently uh, that jig in between the branches. So it was not swimming right or left. It was going straight up and down. And I remember I, I didn't felt the bite. I saw the white of the mouth of the perch. And when I saw that white flash, I was pretty sure that the fish swallowed my bait. I set the hook and the, the fish was in. And that's funny because I crank. I have a, a teeny round reel on this uh, five meter pole. And I cranked to the point that the rod tip came into the mouth of the fish and I pulled back <laughs> out and I, and I bring that fish and I was eight. And I, I was so excited that there was a problem. I want to reach those fish in those branch. I found a solution. I made myself the solution. So the lure, I tried it. I got that fish. It worked. Um, I got so excited about that. Then um, it was my mind. I, I was starting to, to think, Hey, what can I do? And that's how little by little, but over the years, I designed one uh, one lure, another one. I, I found uh, not long ago, I found a teeny popper made with different uh, little floats I tied together uh, with two single hook and a piece of wire because we have pike. So we're fishing bass and perch, but the pike also sometimes were biting. So I needed right. to last. And um, this kind of thing I, I designed. So they were ugly as possible, but hey, I was catching some fish with them and that was giving me the feeling that I can do more. And when I was around 12 or, or 13, I remember reading an article in a French magazine about making its own rods. And I knew one of the sales reps from one of the company, Plateau, who at the time was the Gamakatsu distribution in France. And that guy, I knew he was selling sometimes blanks when they, they, they have leftovers. They have some brands they were making for themselves in France. And, and I booked him a few and I started to, to twitch the rod, I, I I remember because the article was showing like 20 pictures or 15 pictures to show you how to tie a guide. And I started to do that. And um, a few years later, the rods were what put me first in business, in fact. Because, right. I didn't know yes, that. you know that question we had a bit earlier about my favorite fish, the kilted sea brim? Fishing more and more for that fish, I realized that I need a rod that have a very good casting capacity that have some power needed because when they want to go in the pilings underneath underneath a jetty or in the rocks, they will go there and they will break your line. But at the same time, if the rod was too stiff, they will speed the bait right away. You, you will barely feel or see a bite. And the time you try to set the hook, they, they will be off the hook. And I've decided to add a fiberglass tip at the end of that 12, rod, uh, 12 feet long rod. And I did it by myself. And what happened, I, I did that rod when I was about 16. And I was fishing a lot in, in my region, Arcachon and, and the coast, uh, the shoreline south on the Atlantic side. And truly, that was helping me to catch more gilded sea bream to the point that people, you know, people were seeing me catching big fish. I made my first front cover of a magazine. I was 16 years old. Um, so, you know, I was winning tournament. Uh, I was fishing every time I can. I was going to to school in my backpack, there was a you know foldable rod, like almost all the time. And when I was leaving school at five or 6 p.m., well, if it was not raining and if I can, then I will go and stop by one of the lake, fish one hour and then go back home. So people were starting to talk about this young dude with that rod, catching a lot of the gilded seabream that everybody knows are super tough to get. Um, many anglers, uh, no kidding, 
many anglers maybe catch one or two a year. My best season, and I have to talk of season because in my region where I'm from, they're only on the shoreline four or five months a year, not the entire year. My best season, I got 347. Wow. <laughs> I did my first TV show, I was 17. Uh, when I was 18, when I was when I did my first TV show, there's about 30 people on the pier. Nobody got one, and I am I catch like 25 or 26, including a trophy fish, and it's all on tape. And nobody caught one, not one. And uh, and that fish is that finicky. If you really want to catch that fish, you have to work very very hard. You have to pay an incredible level of attention to any single detail. And that rod was really helping me. And because people were seeing me fishing with that rod and catching more fish, they will go to the retailers nearby and say, hey, we see this guy. Can we buy that rod? You know what brand it is? And those retailers bring the information to sales guys from one of the major European company. The name is CERT. And that's how the CEO of that company, Francis Coutu, uh, reach out of me when I was 18 and say, look, I'm, I'm interested. I've heard a lot of things about your, the rod you've designed. I would like to produce it for you. You will be paid with royalties. And I told him, without thinking, I told him, but you know, I have not designed just that rod. I have seven or eight different rods for different uses. So maybe we can come with an entire range. I was not talking business. I was talking logical because I've made those right. different rods for different needs. And he look at me and I, I, I can remember the surprise in his eyes to see that young kid who've never made anything in a business who just got the information that I can have one rod made. And instead of being happy with that, I say, no, I, I have a full range. We can do seven or eight. And basically one year later, uh, we launched my first range of rods. That's how I'm saying that's what put me in the fishing tackle business were the rods, thanks to that, that very one rod that I, I created when I was about 16. Wow. Let's look at some of these questions. So we've got quite a few here. Sure. Um, and, and I'm going to cut cut real short. I mean, so you went from that, you went, you you were guiding, you started Sabeel Lures, um, which is when I first met you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the flat shad was one of your most popular right off the bat. The, That's right. the stick shad, of course, the magic swimmer caught everybody's attention. It caught my attention. That's for sure. Uh, I've caught more fish on that lure than probably any other lure I have, I think. And mm -hmm. I still love the old soft magic swimmers, man. <laughs> so I'm glad I still have a bunch. Um, then it turns into pure fishing or pure, pure fishing buys your company. Uh, we know where that all went. You're And, and now turn the page. Yeah. Uh, here you are, a uh, band of anglers um, and ocean born is uh band of anglers is the parent company oceanborn would be the line of saltwater lures correct dedicated yes mm -hmm. uh but you're also uh, and i just saw it today that, that you are also going to start doing rods as well under the band of anglers which i'm really excited about uh for people who mm -hmm. want to see a limited range uh you said you just put up this website very temporarily just so yeah. you could show off a few of the lures so here's the link uh if anybody wants to see those lures but um you know, like I said, I, I, I was very privileged to uh, have the opportunity to fish some of these in prototype form. As oh, well you're as, the first ever. Yeah, me, it, you were the first ever. Yeah, we got got some good fish on them as well while while you were sick and we were out fishing. Um, so anyway, I just want to jump to a couple of these questions and we can jump back into more stories because otherwise I could listen <laughs> to you, Todd. We'll be here for three hours telling fishing stories. 
Um, here's a question from Potty Mullet. From go to woe on average, how long does a lure take to come into being? What kind of things do you have to tweak? Okay, so there's not one accurate answer. A lure like the flat chat that Jim mentioned um, just a few minutes ago, that lure took me, I'm not kidding, um, to make the drawing, it took, took me probably three, four minutes to make the mold a couple of hours, to make the setting another two or three hours and the lure was done. That's the, the shortest ever that happened to me. On the other hand, the lure that took me the longest time was the on the spoon, that's a spoon that don't spin, that don't twist the line. This one required me to do like 120 prototypes and I've been working on it for all together from the, 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 day, the day I had the ID to the day the law was finalized, there was probably a year and a half or something like that. Average, average will be from the drawing to a very final product, average will be three or four months. So let's say you've, uh, you've done the drawing you're into your first prototype and testing that. What are you looking at? Are you looking at balance of it, the weight of it, weight forward, weight back? Yeah. So there's uh, in the tweaking of, of a lure, there's there's a number of things that are important. Of course, you want a lure that have a good swim action because the action is what catches fish. But also, depend the the type of fishing, the castability of the lure might be key. You know, if you fish for bass from a boat. The casting distance don't matter very much because you can do power fishing with your electric motor. So, you know, you don't need a lure that casts super well. You need a great action. When you're from a beach and the fish are 90 yards from you, well, the casting possibility, uh, castability of, of a lure is really key. So you still need a good swim action. But the problem is the best swim action comes with weight close to the mouth of the lure. The best casting action comes with the weight on the tail of the lure. So you see, so it's really a balance. Is this lure, is it a lure that will be more important to, to cast very long and very accurate, or is it more important that that lure have the most swim action? And that's where I play on the position of the weights depend on this action, uh, on this answer. This is also why I had designed a few lures where I have different setting if it was for freshwater or for saltwater where the freshwater one will have a better swim action, the balance will be ma made in a way to entice the most or the best possible the swim action. And the saltwater one will, will be more dedicated for longer cast. So it's always, it's always a balance between one and the other. Yeah, of course. Um, Aaron, uh, I like the magic swimmer in the two smallest sizes. Amazing action. Uh, yeah, I said, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, of the uh, magic swimmer. Caught tons of pike on those up in Canada. But and, and I literally I have caught fish on on the magic swimmers hard or soft probably everywhere we've gone in the world. You know, it's just one of those those lures that just just always worked. Um, one of the things you taught me was uh, putting three of them in line yeah. and fishing those, you know, the soft ones in the plastic, in the, in the kelp for calico bass. I mean, and just kind of twitching it and the three of them are darting. And um, I mean, that, that was just a deadly combination. And so that's why I've always liked to see what you're coming up with next. Cause everything seems like every time we see something, it, it's something new. Uh, we got a comment from Florian. Hi, Patrick. Happy to know some good news about your new company. Greetings. Bonjour, Florian. Uh, wow, there's a lot more 
stuff here. Uh, what's up from Martin? Martin, thanks for joining us as always. Hey. Uh, Sean, we kind of went into that. He started making lures when he was a kid. Um, what got you into the uh, the professional end of, you know, where, where did that step take place, getting into the professional end of making lures? You know, that's one of those fantastic feelings in, in the life I'm living. Um, to think that when I designed that first bait when I was eight years old, you know, basically a piece of lead, scratching it so it's shiny, um, taking a piece of a copper wire, tying a hook, tying a piece of a MAPA glove just to give a bit action. Starting with that opened my mind and, and being able to then, for many years now, to make a living of my, my inventions is, is incredibly fantastic. And that's that's a good feeling that I wish to many people to, to have and to achieve in their life. I'm not saying that's always doable or possible. Um, I, I did it. I'm, I'm proud of that. But I, I wish more people were able to follow the thing they really like in their life and be able to make a living of that. But I've never pursued the money. That have always been something where my goal have been always focused on fishing. Focus on the reason why I design a lure. I design a lure, first of all, for me. I don't design a lure thinking, okay, I'm going to design this because I'm going to make money out of that. I design this because I want it, because I need it, because it's a toy, because fishing is about fun. All and right. when I design lures, that have to be fun as well. You know, and that's one of those experiences I had working with corporate people where I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not in the same world of those guys. Those guys, well, yeah, really you had corporate, corporate people were corporate people and weren't necessarily fishermen. And I and I no. know that was a big frustration for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, with, with that other company, which is now up for sale. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I saw in the same in the same email uh, yesterday about you coming out with band of anglers and pure fishing being for sale. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, crazy, <laughs> crazy. Uh, Andrew had a question if you if you still have that first rod. You know, I, I don't have any more of those rods, not not only one, because for the people who know me, I, I believe Jim knows me pretty well. We've been great friends for, I don't know, a dozen of years probably now. Um, I've always been um, very easy to give away things just, you know, just to make people happy. And I, I gave a number of things. You know, I guided for the old tackle world record tarpoon, you know, 286 pounds and nine ounce. And for years, I have those giant scales. But every time I will have a friend, oh, I would love to have one. I gave, I gave. And, and today, well, I, I don't have any more. And those first rods, no, I don't have. I sold, in fact, my very first patch of rods to a, a fishing tackle retailer in France. I sold maybe two dozen rods. So that was before my deal with, with CERT. And, and of course I signed them, you know, I was 16, but I have no problem to sign my rod. You know, I was like, that's my creation. That was, I was not just buying a blank, putting guides and sell it. I was really cutting the tip, adding, you know, the, the fiberglass and stuff like that. So no, I don't have any more. And sometimes I'm sad of it, especially now I have kids and I, I wish that they will grow up and I, I will be able one day to say, look, that's one of the first rod I designed when I was, you know, 16 years old or 13 years old but uh, no i don't but some people have in france i guess and uh, maybe it's sleeping somewhere in the garage or if it's indeed <laughs> in, into a trash bin i don't know <laughs> so jan franco um maybe you understand that question because i don't <laughs> i what do you think of the cajun thunders and, uh, i'm sorry jan franco but if you can explain i'm not sure what is the 
Kajun Funder. <laughs> Here's a question you probably can't. I, I would say you probably can't answer it, but maybe you can't. Uh, what's your favorite lure to use? I mean, I know I mean I've said over and over I love the Magic Swimmer, and uh, of your lures, it was always the Magic Swimmer or the Stick Shad. I love well, the Stick Shad. I, yeah, um, many people got confused, I think. And one thing I was using a lot the Stick Shad, not because I like it more, just because it was much more versatile. So. It's not exactly the answer to your question. My favorite lure to use, I cannot say in total honestly, I have one lure that is my favorite. It, it, it's, I, no, I cannot give that answer because it will be untrue. What I can say, there's a range of bait I, I love from the baits I, I created, but also from, from lures from other companies. You know, the, the, the Super Spook. I've always loved the Super Spook. That's a fantastic topwater bait. And it's not because it's not mine that I will disregard it and, and, and not appreciate it. Now I've made my own topwater, so obviously I fish my own. But I, I love some other baits as well that I felt were, were really great. So it's, uh, no, I, I cannot say. I have a number of baits. What matters to me, what really matters to me is to find the right bait in a given situation. And then that bait is my favorite then because I ended up finding that's the right one that gives me the best chance to succeed and have fun. And if it's top water, better. <laughs> yeah, of, I mean, I, I, I love the top water, but that's a very easy answer. I believe almost everybody have, but closely behind, I love the very finesse fishing. Very finesse fishing. When, when you fish 20, 30 feet deep, with a very light line, very light weight, you barely move your lure, and you have those kind of fish who make a, a finicky, very teeny bite. I mean, let me tell you, one of the prototype I'm, I'm working on right now, that's called the dart spin. Okay, that's the first you heard. Anybody, uh, just a group of my friends are aware of that. So the dart spin. So is yeah, all be... listeners do not tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm opening it for you guys. The dart spin is, uh, is a mix of a soft plastic with a blade. I had an idea of this many years ago when I was the lure designer for MEPS and Mr. Twister. And at the time, the CEO, the French CEO, uh, didn't want me to, to realize the lure I have the idea of because he didn't want to mix two brands, MEPS and Mr. Twister. So I, I quit that. I didn't develop that lure. I made a few prototypes. I didn't want anywhere further. But I was always keeping that in mind. And a few years ago, just for me, because I work, but even when I don't work, sometimes I do design because I love it, because that's one of my big passion in life. And, and I work on a body and I tried that and I was very happy with this. And I was like, eh, someday, someday. And uh, I decided to really work out this bait now. And I just came back from a trip basically less than a week ago. And I have my final, final prototypes. And uh, I cannot show them to you was that what I was you, using? You, you can see. No, you cannot see those. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. You're, you're part of that very little group of friends. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, I caught, yeah. I caught <laughs> five different species on that. Yep. Just when I was visiting you. Um, so, yeah, I'm, that's that's a fantastic uh, setup. So, I understand and, uh, why you, uh, you can't show it at this point. Yeah, um, not, not right now. But you see... Um, so I came back from Asia basically Monday and I spent the afternoon, I play with my twins. I was very happy to see them after, you know, 12 days on the road on the other side of the planet and stuff like that. 
But in the evening, I was like, okay, I need to drop a line. I need to go, you know, fishing a bit and, and bringing this thing, you know, in the water. And I find that situation, I was fishing in a hole that was a bit deep and I have to, to work super slowly that lure, the dart spin on a light jig head, like uh, I think it was uh, a quarter or maybe three eighths. And I got a very light bite, really just a little, you know, ju just feel a little stop in your line. And I set the hook. Well, that little stop was not a little fish. That was a 41 and a half inch snook. <laughs> wow. Even if uh, that bite will, was very, very finicky. So you see, I love the top water probably like almost everybody. That's fantastic when you can see. But right, right behind, when we have that situation where the bite is very light, where you have to be in that finicky mode, like you can have in California when you fish for bass in those uh, clear water lakes uh, that right, you have right. in California, sometimes you, you have to fish with, you know, four or six pound test mono, uh, very light, you know, fine wire hooks and finesse baits. And that's the only way to go if you really want to succeed. I love that as well. So we have uh, something from Florian um, again. Could you explain some news about ocean-borne lures? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure what that word is. Availability. But how... Availability. Disponibility. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. And how it's many products, etc. I understand Florian, uh, Florian very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to give this the whole screen. So here's some of the, the new lures. Um, and there is more. This was just some that you had on the website as he, he was telling us before he put up a, a few for so he could show to some retailers. Uh, and these will be you'll be showing at iCast, correct? Yeah, iCast and FTEX right before that. So I, I will be at the FTEX, which, which is a big European show. And basically two weeks later, I will be at the iCast. So Oceanborn. So a band of anglers is really my new company's name. And that's really what my team is. All the people working with me. Wherever there are the people taking care of the sales, the accounting, um, everybody, everybody in the team are anglers. And that was really important to me not to, to fall back into that corporate world that I've just spent basically seven years with. Um, and within a band of anglers, I will develop several brands. So each brand will be able to be relevant to specific fisheries. And in the case of Oceanborn, Oceanborn is definitely the saltwater dedicated brand. And that's why. Oceanborn have both lures and also rods. Um, within that that brand, Oceanborn, I have I'm starting with a series that's called the Flying Series. And where, that's what that's what we have pictured here. Yes, yes, and there there will be. I mean, my my plan is to have at least twelve, if not fifteen, different shapes into the Flying Series. I'm not saying year number one. It will probably take three four years. To have all those shape in that series but that series is especially dedicated for long distance cast and that's why when you look closely to those baits you see ribs underneath the belly and you see wings on the side do you have one you can hold in front of the camera yeah sure okay i'm going to give you the whole screen then so they can see it a little bit better yeah so and yes. you can explain on how that works so it's a ribbed belly and has uh, almost wings on the side of it it's definitely wings. So the effect, the effect of those, first of all, when you see those ribs underneath the belly, you have to think about a golf ball. I'm not kidding you. Like a golf ball. A golf ball have those many, uh, I think you call them riddles. I think the, the teeny holes all around the, the golf ball. 
well, when the when the people cast the ball, you know, the ball flies in the air and tends to spin on itself, and those tiny holes create turbulences that helps to lower the air resistance. Basically, it's made to increase distance and accuracy. So I was working on that principle to find how can I translate this thing into a lure to help basically to cut the air resistance to increase my distance. So this is what those ribs are made for. As most of the friction of a lure, when the lure is flying in the air, most of this friction is underneath the belly because the, with Earth gravity, the lure want to fall, of course. So most of the friction is underneath the belly. So I'm basically cutting anywhere between 40 and 50% the air resistance thanks to all those mini ribs. You know, that's the first thing. The second thing is the wings, the side wings themselves. So you can see, so different models have different shape of wings and different length. But on, on that one, that's a pencil. That's called a flying pencil. Um, the flying pencil, you can see you have about two thirds of the length of the lure that have you know that long wing. So the wing have a little angle at the end. I don't know if we see very well on the camera. We'll try to show the best. Yeah, it's that, kind of tilted up, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. So when you cast, you have obviously a lure flies in the air very fast. So this gives lift when the lure goes backward. That means when the lure is on its way to the water. Now that those two things goes together for those increased cast. Once it reaches the water, the riddles helps to create a lot of turbulence in the water, making a stronger signal in the water. But very important is those wings help to give more lift on the water. And thanks to that lift, when you go with the sinking and the SLD, which means super long distance models, I was able to put much more weight into those lures than on typical lure of the same shape and length. So if you have the same lure, a conventional, you know, there's a number of, of, of uh, um, pencil popper out there. Let's say you have the surface cruiser from uh, Yosri. That's a good one. For a long time, I've been fishing with that. Good lure. But if you put more weight in it to make it a, a sinking, at one point, if you reel in, the lure will stay underneath the surface. Well, the wings here give that extra lift so I'm able to put more weight, and as you know, more weight means also more power to cast. That also helps to make a longer distance cast. But when you retrieve, the wings still keep it on the top. And also the wings help to create a great swim action, especially on the sinking and on the SLD. When you have the floating, if you want to do walking the dog, well, the lift that's on the side helps to give a great walk the dog action, both on this one which is the the pencil and also on the popper you can see here on on the picture on the screen also both of them as a floater do a very good job in walking the dog the the, the floaters cast a bit better than over floating similar lures but it doesn't make a huge difference but when you go in the sinking and especially in the sld when i compare the sld with similar lure similar length i'm talking about 35 yards longer cast, 35 yards. Now it's a true game changer. When the fish are very far away from you, well, you can reach the fish that everybody else won't be able to reach. And as in terms of swim action, 
those those uh, wings on the side and i will give you the the speech now because you you witnessed that when i was developing my prototypes when i i have that steady retrieve on the sinking or the sld now those baits swim like swim baits so the sinking swim very slow so if for example you want to fish that's an example striped bass you know nighttime striped bass you want to be able to have a very 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 slow retrieve and have swim action well the sinking does that and if you need a bit faster swim action on the retrieve now you go with the sld and you can retrieve at a slow to up to a medium speed and in both cases once you start to go faster and you start to twitch the the rod tip now the lures have their top order action popping and doing all kind of things so you've seen that by yourself what what can you right. say about that swim action well it was it was incredible for uh, honestly I, I think the most amazing thing was the sld the distance you're getting casting on it holding it it was a heavy lure but then it just comes right up to the surface and being able to pop it and walk it on the surface on such a heavy lure uh, was unlike any other lure I've I've used. Uh, potty, potty mullet, <laughs> can you share some thoughts on lure patterns, colors, uh, and when you use them? Um, mm. I know that a lot of times, and I think we've discussed this in the past, is action is more important than color. Um, and, you know, there's many times where people say, you know, oh, you got to be using this color and I'll throw something completely different. And, you know, that's what's working. And uh, I, I have been in situations where I felt like you had to use red, you know, or something like that. But more often than not, I'm not a big color guy. I, I don't think it really matters as much. What about you? That's exactly my situation. And I know not everybody is happy to hear that, but I believe the color is the least important uh, factor in most cases. So I don't want to make an absolute rule because there's no absolute rule. And sometimes, yes, sometimes the color is number one. I've been lucky enough that I was able to detach myself from a, a deep belief into the fact that the color is so much key. And many, many, many times in many, many places with many, many different fish, I found myself that I was able to do as well and sometimes even better than people who were using the color they say was the color for their location. Look, you see that pencil proper? It's a green mackerel. Well, in the Northeast, New England, Massachusetts, you know, Boston, uh, New Jersey, Long Island, many, many people, like many, many, many people uh, believe that is the one color you will catch more striped bass than anything else. I have not noticed it myself. Now, I believe it's really important for the angler to fish and believe deeply into the fact that what he uses is really great for him. And that, that matters. Confidence well, yeah, that comes matters. back to the old confidence, right? Confidence, confidence matters. And that, I will always say that like this. Why do I come with lure where I have like this lure? I have eight different colors. Because, first of all, I want to make sure I give the best chance to almost everybody to find one or two colors they are very confident with, because it's key. I've been endless times fishing with prototype with zero paint on my lure. I barely put some paint on the head or on the back, so just I can see the lure action in the water. It's just a visual reference for me. And most of the time, not always again, but most of the time, I've not seen difference with lures that have color. Um, well, I always <laughs> say it's like, you know, 
a lot of times as you pull that lure out of the box, it's had all the paint knocked off of it. That's the experienced lure. And why is yeah. that? Because that one's swimming right. Yes. You know, that one, yeah. and then we find that a lot with iron because on an iron, a surface iron, a lot of times you have slight differences and one will swim and one won't. Yes. And um, like I said, you get that one that swims right. It, it, it could be straight aluminum. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. It, yeah. it's, if it's swimming, it's getting bit. That's why, uh, to my point of view, the most important work for a designer is really to design a shape that provides a great fishing action that casts very well. Again, depending of is it needed to cast very far away or to cast short cast and have the best action possible. But for the angler to be able to pick up a lure that really fits the situation, for my experience, um, showed me that was what was doing the best, giving me the best result possible. Weiss says uh, we're going to have to have you back on again. I, I I knew this would happen because Patrick is is so passionate about this and talks and and <laughs> and his stories are always so good. Um, I would like to see I you again. My, my, my buddy Tom is here. Um, Tom and I used to work together at Pepsi, and okay. apparently he's brought in a bunch of other people that I used to work with at Pepsi. And Tom, I really appreciate you sharing this and and with all that. Uh, all the uh, old crew and all that. And I, did, I saw John Verissimo on there. And uh, I think, God, I can't remember well. I saw a few different people from, from the old days. So thanks, Tom, for, for sharing it with all the guys. Um, when do you create a pike and bass fishing lure? <laughs> Yan. Well, um, <coughs> most of the time, I do not design a lure for a specific species. Most of the time, I'm not saying always, but most of the time, I design lure for situations. Most of the time, I try to design a lure, like for example, this this pencil. I, I have it in my hand. That's why I take it as an example. I didn't design it for a specific species. In New England, definitely, this lure will be used to target striped bass and bluefish. But in Spain, that will be bluefish again. But uh, in the Netherlands, that will be a great bait on the early morning to catch big pike. Um, so most of the lures are designed with that mindset. But when you hear me well, I'm saying most, I'm not saying all. And it's most likely, by the way, that I will have a set of lures that will have a dedication to the bass and another set of lures, or maybe brand, that will be more dedicated to, to the pikes. So I hope um, Yann will be happy with this. Hey, Weiss, thank you. Weiss says this is the best live show he's seen. And, and I knew it would be a good one. And I'm, uh, I'm so happy to, that Patrick could join us again. I have been lucky enough to fish with Patrick a couple of times, uh, a few times now. And although last time I went to visit him, he was uh, typhoid Mary. Um, John, how are you? Um, and I mean, you were so sick. You you'd just come back from China. And so you drove us around in the boat, kind enough to, to point us up some spots and then went back to bed because you were so sick. So the fact that you were able to even hang with us for a day was, was, was so cool. So um, when are we gonna see Band of Anglers, um, ocean-born lures available? Will it be after ICAST? Is anything available now? At the moment we're talking, I have my first batch of lure. I didn't tell you that. I was keeping that as a little surprise. I have my first batch of lures. That's a limited supply. There's about 5,000 baits uh, that are on their way, and they will be landing. I got the email this morning. They will be landing in Orlando on Monday. So this means we will start to deliver those 
to retailers that are that places orders and are waiting some of them for a couple of months now uh we will start to deliver i will say most likely by the end of next week and hopefully at the same time or our new website that we have the designer working on for like a month now uh our new website should be ready and live between one and two weeks from now well when when that's ready let me know and we'll make sure that we share oh, it sure. on our page uh so everybody can find it and see the new stuff. Um, but you will be at iCast. I saw you You have a, a nice size booth. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously you're gonna have uh, plenty to show there. Um, obviously you're keeping a lid on some of that because it's always good to, you know, you get, get good publicity at, when you're releasing it at the show. Um, I, I guess at the, at the other show as well before that. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, I'm excited for you, and, and it, it's 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 great to see you back in the game after all the frustrations with pure fishing. Um, <laughs> it, has it kind of reignited your fire? It, it certainly seems to. Oh, you know, just got you all excited about all this again. Yeah, I, I was falling asleep the past seven years working at pure fishing. Uh, I was a lot frustrated, and you and the other good friend of mine knows me well. Know that 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 was not the the best and easiest time in my life. And uh, um, maybe I, I have to say that joining Pure Fishing was probably the biggest ever mistake I made in my entire life and career. But nothing is black or white. And that's because I met, I went uh, and worked for, for Pure Fishing. That's because of that, I ended up meeting the lady who turned to be my wife. And that's why I have my kids now. So if it was to redo, I will redo it just because my kids, of course, which is the yeah. best, which they're, are they're, they're the in my life. <laughs> I know I got to see them while we were messing around setting this thing up today. Um, uh, Martin, you're going to make it to ICAST. That's cool. Make sure I'll be walking the show at ICAST for one day and uh, the remainder of ICAST, I will more than likely be with Siegler Reels. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, but we'll be visiting with everybody. And I mean, I... I mean, if you're a fisherman and you have a way to go to it, it is an industry only show, but if you're a fisherman, it's, it's like no other. I mean, you can spend all, I never get enough time to, um, walk the entire show. You know, there's just so much to see. And quite honestly, every, every year at ICAST, when I try to hook up with Patrick, it's almost impossible because he is so popular um, he has so many friends in the industry and everybody wants to talk to him that, I mean, you got to make an appointment and then wait around, you know, a while because he's always, he, he's a talker. You may have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> invite, invite Patrick to dinner and ask him one question and then you can just sit back and finish eating. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to be honest. Uh, that's very true. <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> You know the the tagline of Eben Wengler. I don't know if you can see it here. It's a bit small, but um... well, let me uh, let me give you the solo so people can see that. Uh, Band of Angler. I cannot see that. It says authentic, pass passionate, real. This is the tagline of Eben Wengler's. And this so again, this is why this is about. this is why I like to work with you, and it's the same as working with. Um, with Wes Siegler, it's exactly the same. It's that, that passion 
uh, that honesty. I mean, people ask, you know, it's like, I, I'm sure in a lot of lure manufacturers, they'll just throw something together, put it in a package and go. I mean, I watched you with a lineup of prototypes, cast one several times, write down some notes, put on the next one, cast it a few times. You are personally testing each one of these prototypes to make oh, sure yeah. it does what you want it to do because you're the passionate angler because you oh, want yeah. it to work for you. Yeah. And if it, if it works for you, it's going to work for the public. And, and that's what yeah. I, that's why I love working with you on this stuff. Yeah. I mean, that, that's uh, the, the, the full truth uh, about the way I work and <laughs> thank you for all. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I work hard, but not because I want to work hard. I just do what I think I need to do. And to me, uh, being in this industry now for a very long time, having the chance to to meet almost almost every designer out there, I ended up by being disappointed because I find that, and I'm not kidding, I'm not trying to trash. I, I'm, I'm very honest in what I'm saying. I found that maybe only 10 percent or less of the designers that are in the industry are really fishermen, anglers, designers. I find the vast majority of the guys that design products from the big companies, in fact, are just designers coming fresh from school. Many of them, I've been working with some of them, so I'm not kidding you, I'm telling the truth. Many of them don't have nothing to do with fishing. It's just a job. So how can you expect some people like this making really great lures? They, they don't have, not simply the passion, they don't have the background, but because they work for major brands that are established, you know, big brands that are established today are typically brands that got established because the guy who created it, take Berkeley. Berkeley have been created by a great fishing inventor, a guy who did fantastic things. And that's why that brand grows and grows. But now, once you have this one or other one, big brand established for 60, 80 years, they sell no matter what, because the name is out there. It's it's marketing and it's business purely driven. I'm not saying the product are bad, but you, you don't expect that the product have spent hundreds of, of hours in the fishing place to catch fish and to have all those very, very tiny tweaks that makes the huge difference between a regular swimming swimming lure and a great catching lure. Right, right. Patrick, this hour has absolutely flown by. I know you need to get back to work and get back to those kids. And please give my best to Lucy and the kids. Sure. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. And let's definitely do it again because I know everybody loves your stories and we can get more into the stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, I actually was reading an article today um, it, it, because it came about because that, that email came out. And I read an email. I read this thing that I never knew about you was that you were a record producer uh, or something along that, or manager uh, doing some heavy. I know you love your heavy metal um, and Kiss and all that. And, and it was it was pretty interesting stuff. So we got a lot more stuff we could talk about. So I really appreciate you being here, Patrick. Thank One you so more much. time. Um, it's uh, a band of anglers ocean born and this is the temporary website where you can see a few of the uh the lures um a b o a l l c dot com and again thank you patrick so much i'm gonna send you down below and uh close this thing out
Thank you, Mike. You're a very good friend. And if I don't talk to you, I will see you at ICAST. So, man, that was that was amazing. I love Patrick. Um, as you can see, a great guy, great friend, and uh, his passion for this sport is like no other. Um, we'll be doing more of this stuff every, again every Friday at the same time. Uh, next week, I've got Luther and John from Yak Attack. They're going to be on here. And I, they actually were the first ones to do a live show with me, and it totally bombed. It didn't work at all. Our, we had so many technical difficulties. So they're going to come back on, and we're going to do it right this time and show off a lot of their great gear. So everybody, I appreciate you being here, and I hope to see you next week. And, you know, I do a bunch of these impromptu ones as well. So just remember, if you're going out on the water, always wear your PFD and hold your paddle right side up. Well, I hope you found Patrick as interesting as I do. Man, he's a great storyteller. Uh, if you want to see these videos live and have a chance to win prizes, make sure you go over to the Kayak Fishing Show with Jim Salmon's Facebook page and subscribe to notifications of all our live videos. Uh, I don't think you'll regret it. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this video. You take care.